0: Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer, providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com.
1: You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we.
2: A months-long tug-of-war between lawyers for Governor Brian Kemp and the Fulton County District Attorney's Office has now spilled into public view. We think the subpoena is due to be quashed for lack
1: of jurisdiction. Absolute quash all of
2: the subpoena, which they're seeking here, is just not appropriate. A special
1: grand jury is investigating efforts by former President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. And now they want to hear from Kemp.
0: After negotiations for a voluntary interview dissolved, the special grand jury sent Kemp a subpoena.
1: His lawyers
2: are fighting it vigorously.
1: Now we're in the middle of an election cycle for really the most closely followed gubernatorial race in the country. And this is happening as this high profile and politically charged investigation, and Governor Kemp's role in it are are reaching a crescendo. The district attorney's office says Kemp should testify, just like dozens of other witnesses.
2: Come in and speak in front of the special purpose grand juries, just as a host of 30 plus other witnesses have
1: done. That's all.
0: A ruling will come from Judge Robert McBurney, the superior court judge overseeing the special grand jury. Now that it's a subpoena, he doesn't want to come. I guess I need to understand that better.
2: Will the courts compel Kemp to testify and when? I'm WABE politics reporter, Sam Greenglass. I'm Raul Bally, also a politics reporter at WABE. I'm Susanna Capaluto, politics editor
0: here at WABE. Our co-host, Emma Hurt, is on assignment. And this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast that's all about the midterms. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an impact. I I vote because I want leaders who care about my future. Voting is the gift of freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. Sam, you were in the courtroom for Kemp's hearing on whether he'll need to appear before that special grand jury bring us up to speed.
2: Well, just to back up a little bit, what prosecutors want to know from Kemp is more about the contact that he had with former President Trump and other allies of the campaign during that time after the 2020 election. Uh, One of the things that we've learned that they want to know about those potential contacts is whether Trump pressured Kemp to call a special legislative session. Uh, The governor's lawyers here are arguing a couple of things. One, they're saying it is way too close to the election now for Kemp to testify, and they're also arguing that Kemp is protected by attorney-client privilege and executive privilege. Then there's also this thing called sovereign immunity, and lawyers for Governor Kemp say that the governor of Georgia cannot be compelled to testify in an investigation like this one. The governor wasn't
1: looking for an unnecessary
2: fight with an important branch of his administration, Um, but he does need to defend the important constitutional and statutory limits of the grand jury's authority to protect the next sitting governor from what I'm not suggesting
1: it's misuse here. Some might, but the next governor needs to know that his office is protected from perhaps an overzealous administrator of a special purpose grand jury.
2: Now, Fulton County prosecutors, on the other hand, think none of these claims hold any weight.
1: He wants to drive the way that the state is proceeding with its investigation. That rests solely with the district attorney and the district attorney has made that decision through the power of the special purpose grand jury.
2: Judge McBurney says he first will need to decide, one, whether or not this concept of sovereign immunity can prevent Kemp from testifying, whether it actually applies here or not. And if it doesn't, then the secondary question is, should this testimony be pushed back until after the election, rather than right now or in the next couple of weeks? One thing that I will note, even though we don't know yet how Judge McBurney is going to rule on these two questions, he has been very skeptical of quashing subpoenas in this investigation so far. There have been many potential witnesses or targets who have tried to get their sub- subpoenas quashed, and McBurney has been really hesitant to do that for any of them. Mm -hmm. Now, on the political end of things, is it good for Kemp's
0: campaign that he is fighting this subpoena? I mean, one could argue that he's one of the people who resisted Trump. So why not just testify? Is there maybe a message here, you know, for the Trump wing of the GOP, who support the governor may
1: need for his reelection? I think in the end, the governor's uh, campaign is just trying to avoid any issues around this, whether something leaks out or just you know th- that very small. And I think it is a very small number of Trump Republicans who would blast the governor for going in to testify. I think in the end they're just trying to avoid this. I know the arguments are this deals with precedent, um, this is politically motivated, but I think when you when you look at it in the context of the campaign, it's really avoiding what
2: what would be an unnecessary issue in the run-up to November. The one thing that I'll note here that Judge McBurney noted in the hearing is that the media already was under the impression that Kemp had already testified uh, back in July, and everyone would have been pretty much none the wiser that anything different had happened if he hadn't brought forward this motion to quash his subpoena that resulted in a very public back and forth between his lawyers and the district attorney's office, both in filings and then now in superior court. So uh, the judge was almost saying, well, if you didn't want this to become a public issue in the middle of the election, then why did you, you know, pursue this track of fighting the subpoena that made all of this spill out into public view?
0: Now, the other subpoena case we're watching is in federal court because it involves U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham. Graham has also been fighting a subpoena, and we have learned that prosecutors are interested in asking him about phone calls that he has made to Secretary of
2: State Brad Raffensperger. Uh, Where does this stand? So... Lindsey Graham wants his subpoena tossed out too, like so many of the other people who have been asked to testify in these proceedings. Uh, what he is arguing is that some of the calls that he made to Georgia Secretary of State and his office, uh, which are a big reason why the special grand jury wants to talk to him, uh, he says that they were part of his duties as a U.S. senator and a committee chair. And so the Constitution has a clause that would shield him from this testimony The court eventually ruled that, no, he does have to testify. Graham appealed that ruling. And then an appeals court said a lower court had to first decide if there was stuff that he could or couldn't be asked about. Uh, So it sounds like all this back and forth could take forever, but a district judge has laid out a pretty rapid filing schedule. uh, And that means that all of this back and forth should wrap up sometime by the middle of next week. And then we will have a final answer of what exactly Graham can and cannot testify about.
1: And the important thing to understand about the Graham case, beyond the the questions of, does this fall under his legislative duties, is prosecutors have hinted, and they also want to know about specific coordination between Senator Graham and the campaign and the, at that time, the White House of Donald Trump. So that that's why, Lindsey Graham is such a, an important figure. Just to remind you, he was involved with phone calls with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and members of the Secretary's office around the issues with mail-in absentee ballots. So that's the reason why Lindsey Graham is, is is really an important
2: figure in this in this whole discussion. And I also just want to say, like, we can get bogged down in some of the weeds of executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, immunity, but at the end of the day, why we are paying such close attention to all of these challenges to subpoenas throughout the course of this investigation is in part because these are the only times that we get little nuggets about where this investigation is and what it's focusing on, because remember, these proceedings are generally happening behind closed doors in secret when it spills into public view, when there are challenges, and uh, in, in court, that is when we, the journalists and the public, actually begin to know a little bit more about what is actually happening behind those closed doors. And there have been a couple of other court filings related to
0: the special grand jury this week. We had an order that 11 of the 16 fake Republican electors who were part of this alternate Republican slate will need to testify They had tried to quash their subpoena, and also one of Trump campaign lawyers, Kenneth Chesabro, filed a motion this week trying to quash his subpoena. Now, he was reportedly very involved in this fake elector scheme that played out here in Georgia. So we can, again, speculate that the two are very connected and that the alternate Republican elector slate that ultimately didn't go anywhere, is of interest to this special grand jury. Now, let's turn to one issue that popped up briefly on the campaign trail. It started with the story by our colleague Emma Hurd from Axios when she polled Republican candidates on where they stood regarding gay marriage. And she mentioned it on the podcast last week that Governor Brian Kemp said he's okay with where the law is now, but that he personally thinks marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, after that story broke, I saw some tweets by gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams calling Kemp homophobic. Kemp has not commented anymore on his position, but some Democratic lawmakers held a press conference this week that you attended, Raul.
1: So there are three LGBTQ Georgia state lawmakers who spoke out at the state capitol this week, and one of their focuses was on the future of same-sex marriage. It was reaction specifically to the work that Emma did. And here's the reaction from Democratic State Senator Kim Jackson.
0: Now, Brian Kemp has been clear that it is his personal belief that marriage should be between a man and a woman. And I think he says personal so that maybe we not become alarmed. But what we know is that when Brian Kemp has personal beliefs, he imposes those into law.
1: The other thing they talked about was the separate opinion in the landmark Dobbs abortion case by U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And that's where Thomas said the court should reconsider three key rulings, including the 2015 decision that made it illegal for states to ban same-sex marriage. So this goes back to what we talked about during Dobbs. If the Supreme Court overturns that ruling, it would fall back to the states. In Georgia, that would likely mean immediately banning same-sex marriage because of a 2004 voter referendum that passed with 76% of the vote and amended the state constitution. Now, a bit of history, State Senator Brian Kemp voted for that ban in 2004. Now, some of the concerns that were brought up by the lawmakers, medical visitation rights, next of kin rights, reaction from the business community. As for Governor Kemp's office, they pushed back saying, look, this is settled law. And instead of pointing at what Clarence Thomas said, they pointed to the majority opinion. And in the majority opinion, they said nothing in this opinion should be, you know, looked at as concerning anything other than abortion. So what's next? This is what I'm hearing from both sides, social conservatives in the Georgia State Capitol, they're not looking toward legislative action. What they're likely looking at is some sort of lawsuit to challenge same-sex marriage in America, and specifically in Georgia, with the path of that going to the U.S. Supreme Court, and hopefully, in you know, in their eyes, overturning that, and Georgia's same-sex marriage ban kicks in. On the other side, State Representative Carla Drenner is a key figure at the state capitol. She was the first openly gay state lawmaker in Georgia when she was elected back in 2000. And I asked her about the possibility of putting the issue of legalizing same-sex marriage on the ballot in Georgia.
2: Of course, all the groups are going to be nervous because I've said this, but I do think that it should go on the ballot. It should go on the ballot because now overwhelmingly we know we're going to win.
1: I should mention that that's going to have a difficult path in the Georgia legislature because it needs a two-thirds vote in both chambers of the legislature, so you would have to have quite a number of Republicans to come on board with that issue.
0: Having covered the Georgia same-sex marriage ban when it happened in the 2000s, I'm wondering how long it takes for this issue to be in the same category as interracial marriage, for example, or marriage between religions, especially for people like Sam's generation. I don't know that Republicans really have a path here.
2: One thing that's worth noting, though, is that not in Georgia, but in Washington, D.C., Congress is weighing passing legislation, federal legislation, that would legalize same-sex marriage across the U.S. or or codify it into law, basically. There has been reporting that there may be enough Republican votes in the U.S. Senate to make that legislation a reality uh, sometime this fall. If that passes, that would kind of negate a lot of this conversation about what would happen here in Georgia. I don't think you would have seen that a decade ago. That is true.
0: Let's take a break. This is Georgia Votes 2022. I'm Susanna Capelluto. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, providing proactive medical diagnostics to catch deadly or debilitating diseases early, using state-of-the-art equipment to detect warning signs or offer peace of mind. You can take charge of your health at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022. Today with Rahul and Sam only. Emma is on assignment Voting has started in the midterms, or at least people can start applying for the absentee ballots. But there was also some news regarding voting and voting machines and all of it spilling over from the 2020 elections. And it involves rural Coffee County. Sam, explain what's going on.
2: So this story has been bubbling for a little while, but uh, there's a lot of tangled pieces to it. So let's just give a little bit of background now that it's back in the news in the last couple of weeks. Uh, One thing we know is that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation has opened up a criminal investigation into these efforts uh, by allies of former President Trump to access Georgia voting machines after the 2020 election. Uh, According to documents filed in a separate court case, we are learning that campaign lawyer Sidney Powell helped coordinate a plan to access voting machines in some battleground states, including here in Georgia. Uh, That's in Coffee County, as you mentioned. And documents filed in court show that Trump's allies used the help of county election officials and an Atlanta-based IT firm, and they appear to have obtained some data from an election server, ballot scanners, memory cards, voter check-in computers. All this was first reported by the Washington Post, and they also found that a group of conspiracy theorists and election deniers downloaded a lot of this data that we are talking about. Now, the big question here is how much should people worry about this? Well, the Secretary of State's office says that the electric management server, the workstation in Coffee County, they have all been replaced since this happened. Two elections have been held since without any issues. And I put this to uh, an independent expert, uh, Dan Wallach at Rice University, who studies election security and voting technology. And he says, you know, there are a lot of measures in place to sharply reduce the chance of anything nefarious happening, including things like risk-limiting audits. The state is in a good position to mitigate the worst risks of wherever the hell you want to call the thing that powell and company did. Because we have the opportunity to respond to what was done, we can make sure that we're in better shape in November 22. So election officials have this on the top of their minds. The question is, are they doing enough to mitigate the risks that uh, could potentially be out there, even though, you know, there is no evidence that anyone has been able to successfully tamper with affecting the results of an election here in Georgia? Well, let's look ahead
0: to the election. Raul, you recently asked some voters about their mood at this point in the campaign.
1: And what did you find? So I've been trying to get out to smaller events, you know, not the big governor events and senator events, kind of some of the smaller events. And and one of the voters I talked to was Paul Mitchell. He's a voter from Alpharetta. And I talked to him at a campaign event for Democratic candidate for attorney general, Jen Jordan. Uh, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good right now. I I feel like um, based upon uh, especially what just happened with Biden, you know, passing the 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 major legislation that he just did. I feel like this will energize Democratic voters and give them even more confidence. But I don't think that Democrats uh, were necessarily, like I don't believe a lot of the polls. I think Democrats come out for issues when it's time they come out. You know, because I, I know I've never gotten a call from anybody to get my opinion on anything. So I don't believe a lot of the polls. So I believe that we'll do well. And by the way, that's something I hear from all sides. You know, I, I've never heard from a pollster or a survey organization. And and I know polling organizations only sample, you know, a few hundred people. But it's always interesting that I I, I hear that common refrain of, I see all these polls, but no one calls me. Now, I also went to a campaign event for Republican Scott Hilton. He's running for the Georgia State House. And, and one of the people I talked to was this Republican voter. He wasn't comfortable giving his name, but... He definitely wanted to talk about how he was feeling going into the election. I'm feeling particularly good. I think we're going to have a strong November, and I think our candidates are going to be able to tell their story, tell our positions, and we're going to make our case, and we're going to have a good November. I also asked if this election was about turning out base, conservative, and Republican voters, or getting independent voters to come on board. All elections are always about turning out the base, but it's a mixture. It's a mixture of both. It's not a presidential year, but with the governor's race being as hot as it is, uh, independents are going to come out. So you got to you got to sell yourself to those independents, but you always have to turn out your base. It doesn't matter what kind of election it is. So the bottom line, throughout the past couple of months, when I'm talking to voters, Republican voters keep leaning towards the economy and talking about crime. And most Democratic voters that I run into, they're talking to me about guns and abortion. Those are kind of their big issues. That's seemingly kind of the, you know, where the two sides are falling on, on ter- in terms of
2: their top issues. So before we go, what's ahead for y'all this week? Well, one thing is the Democratic Convention is coming up this weekend uh, in Columbus, another example of Democrats trying to engage voters outside of Metro Atlanta, which is where you traditionally think of the state's Democratic voters living. Beyond just being uh, out on the campaign trail, next
1: week is the week leading into Labor Day weekend weekend. I mean, it already feels like we've been going well above the speed limit, but I've had a number of campaigns who said that f- they're, they're going to even go harder after Labor Day. So whether next week is our last normal week or even sane week, I don't know. But You just have you to know.
0: run even faster, Raul. I don't know how <laughs> y'all do it, but um, yeah, we'll just have more campaigns to go to.
2: No, I know. Like this whole week I was sitting looking at my press release inbox being like, Okay, when are the events getting advertised for this week? And it's been quieter than I thought, but I guess that's the end of August and people are stealing away for the true kickoff after Labor Day. Well, that's
0: it for this edition of Georgia Votes 2022. Raul and Sam, thank you both for your time. Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE Politics Desk. Kevin Rinker is our producer. If you have questions or comments, email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. Check out our other podcasts, including Political Breakfast and TechCast. Subscribe and rate us. I'm Susanna Capilouto. See you next week. Get ready for My Money Mentors, the new WABE TV financial literacy series hosted by Jacqueline Shadek and Chris Corinthian and produced with support from Delta Community Credit Union. To learn more, visit WABE.org/slash My Money Mentors.
1: The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in a WABE politics podcast. New name, same on the ground reporting from us, WABE politics reporters Sam Green and Raul Valley. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform.
0: WABE.